0: See, it really is wonderful to be with you today. I love that we get a chance to celebrate child dedications. For me, as we walk off stage, I just feel like it's the cute parade, uh, you know, going down the, the stairs there. You might want to grab your notes out of your handout, and we are finishing a series today called Don't Waste It. Very, very excited about the challenge that we feel God has brought us through this. Just to start with a story, In 2012, Daniel Day-Lewis won the Academy Award for Best Actor in his iconic portrayal of Abraham Lincoln. And in this, his preparation was so intense, he isolated himself, he read a ton, he immersed himself in character for six months prior to the start of shooting, just so that he could mimic exactly Lincoln's gentle, reedy tenor and his shuffling gait, His peers were marveled at his unwavering commitment to the role, and if you have seen this movie, you know that his performance in it was a gift. Contrast that to 12 years earlier, Brendan Fraser, of such hits as Encino Man and George of the Jungle, also portrayed Abraham Lincoln in a romantic comedy called Bedazzled. Confession, I missed that one. Uh, critics were rather less complimentary, describing it as weak, pitiful, and consistently unfunny. And while it is true that Frazier is highly talented in many other areas, uh, what could be concluded is that his commitment to this role was slightly less intense, therefore the results were different, Okay. And the challenge for you and for me is this, that God has actually given us many roles to fill in this gift he's given us called life. He's given us roles to fill as sons or daughters, husbands or wives, mothers or fathers. He's given us uh, roles to fill in our workplace or in our education or in our neighborhood. Different roles, different uh, opportunities, and yet Our commitment to these roles is what allows us to answer the question, am I successful or am I failing in these roles? And the challenge last week that we brought, and many of you were were here, kind of a part of this, don't waste it. The don't waste it challenge last week was don't waste your time, that we make the most of opportunities. Today, the challenge we want to bring is don't waste your influence. Don't waste your influence. And specifically, there's influence, and then I put resources next to it because resources are a form of how we have influence in our world today, how we can make an impact in this world. So I want to begin with a passage from the Old Testament. This is way back in 2 Kings. Uh, the notes uh, have the, the verse. It'll be on the screen as well. If you have your Bible, 2 Kings in the Old Testament. And it's a story about a commander in the army of Aram, which is what we would call modern-day Syria. And, and here's the story. It's kind of an interesting story that we'll unpack. So let's go ahead and read this. Starting uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 1. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman was very successful in his role as a commander in the army, general, serving the king of Aram. They were on friendly terms. And he had everything going for him except this one thing. He had leprosy. And so it, many of you know leprosy, the damage that it causes physically. So if it progressed in Naaman's life, uh, the leprosy would steal his vitality, his health. He, it, would, it would ultimately end his career and his life. That leprosy is progressive in that kind of a fatal and dire reality. And so it, that's what Naaman is facing. Earlier than this story, Aram uh, raiders had gone into Israel and Samaria and they had taken you know plunder from Israel. And this servant girl was one of those captives. She had been taken back up into Aram. She had been given to Naaman and, and was serving in Naaman's household, serving Naaman's wife. And, and what's interesting is this servant girl says... She sees the the leprosy, she sees who this man Naaman is and his potential, but yet this this disease, how it impacts him. She says, if he would only go down and talk to the prophet in Israel, the prophet Elisha is is the prophet she's referring to, then Elisha would heal him of his leprosy. And so ultimately, Naaman hears this counsel, and he says, "Ah, that sounds like a good idea. He takes some men, they go down, they visit Elisha, and Elisha, you might know the story, Elisha says... What you need to do is go wash in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman hears this, this great general, hears this command to go wash in the Jordan River seven times, and he's a bit indignant. He says, why would I wash in that muddy river? We have clean rivers back in my home country. Why don't I just go back home and wash there? And his men kind of calm him down. They say, Naaman, hey, hey, hey wait a second. If, if the prophet challenged you to do things that were hard, you would have probably done them. This isn't even that hard. This is easy. Why don't you just go and wash in the Jordan? And, you know, what, what is there to lose? And so Naaman kind of relents, and he, and he does what Elisha challenges him to do. And this is what it says in uh, 2 Kings 5, verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So what happens? Naaman does what Elisha challenges him to do. Go dip in the Jordan River seven times. He comes out. His skin is restored. It's like that of a baby. It's like the cute little cherubs we just saw on our stage being dedicated to the Lord, right? He he was made whole. It was a miracle. So he goes back to the prophet and he declares there's no other God in all the world except the God in Israel. What's he saying? He's saying the one true God is the God of Israel. And so it's this amazing thing. God gets the glory. Naaman gets healed, but God gets the glory. It's, it's, it's a beautiful story. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that Naaman's obedience played a part in that. And, you know, Elisha, Elisha's wisdom and his faithfulness to the Lord, that played a part in that. Certainly God is the one who brought the healing, but none of it would have happened if the servant girl hadn't spoken up and said, "Hey, why don't you go visit the prophet in Samaria?" See, I want, I want you to see that it all hinges upon this girl stepping up and speaking up, recognizing that here is an opportunity for me to have some influence. And it's an amazing kind of a reality even in her situation, which Chances are great, she did not choose to be in that situation, and yet here she is, and she sees that she has an opportunity to make an impact. And friends, the challenge that you need to hear today is it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter sort of your history up to this point, you have the power to influence, one word, one act of kindness, these small things that we offer to the Lord can change the course of history. God sees you, by the way, as his son or his daughter. And as a dearly loved son, dearly loved daughter, he sees the potential you have to impact and affect the culture, to affect your environment, to affect the world. And so we steward our influence. And again, I put resources together with influence because our resources are financial influence in this world. Um, last week, we looked at Ephesians 5. So let's take a look at it again. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, the Apostle Paul brings this challenge. He says, so be careful how you live. And, you know, in my Bible, I just do this, be careful, right? I just write out the word full, F-U-L-L, careful, or thought full. And because what's what's true? The truth is you can waste your resources. The truth is we can squander our influence. Paul says, so no, no, no. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Don't live unwise, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, right? Act thoughtfully, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. In other words, don't let things influence you that will make you ineffective, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Don't be filled with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God, be filled with his leadership in your life. And we're trying to grab hold of this. And so last week I brought the challenge to not waste our time. And I have to just tell you, this whole week, different staff members have been coming up to me kind of like... Hey, I I gotta confess to you that I watched Netflix last night, and, uh... (laughs) You know, and it's just one of those things where I, I just want to make sure that you understand, that they understand that the, the point of last week was not that you can never have any downtime. It's not that you should never sit on the couch and enjoy a show with your family or your spouse. That, that wasn't the, the story. The story is we have to recognize that God brings us to these moments. We call them kairos moments. And we're to make the most of these moments so that we steward our influence well so that we steward our resources well when God brings us the opportunities. So here's kind of that big picture truth. You might wanna write this down, it'll be in the screen. God has placed you in the exact situation that you're currently in, in order to influence that situation, in order to impact that situation, in order to affect it for kingdom change. And maybe you feel a little bit like that servant girl in name and story. You, you feel like you didn't invite your, the situation that you're currently in. You didn't choose to be where you are, <clears throat> maybe. Maybe you feel like you're, you're in a workplace that's really difficult and you don't love and you're at the bottom of the pecking order. And what could you do? And I just want to challenge you. People are watching you. People are looking at your life, and and you're together in this thing. You're together with family or friends. You're together with workmates or classmates. You're together in this neighborhood. You you have a moment with someone who takes your ticket at the parking garage or the person who checks your bag in at the airport or the person who takes your order at your favorite coffee shop. These are moments that you can potentially have influence in. And, And are you stewarding your influence well? Now, I want to tell you, history is filled with people who have wasted their influence, who have squandered the opportunities for impact that God has brought them. give you a couple of examples. The first was thinking about the innkeeper in Bethlehem. The innkeeper of Bethlehem, you know the story of the nativity. Think about the innkeeper at Bethlehem. We don't know his name, so I'll just call him (laughs) Daryl. So Daryl's there and Joseph and Mary come in. They've come to several, you know, hotels already as they, as they walk through the town. Everything's full. They come to Daryl. Daryl says, oh, your wife's pregnant when she do. She's due now. Oh, yeah, can't help you. Sorry. Uh, you can sleep with the animals out back. And some of you right now, you're like, oh, I don't like how this is going because I really like the nativity that I put out on my mantle every Christmas. And I really like all the really cute, you know, non-smelly, very sanitary animal figurines that I put out in that stable around, you know, the baby laid in a feeding trough. Like, I like, I like all that. And, and what are you saying, Pastor? You're saying that, that I would have to change my nativity if Daryl responded differently? That it, you know, it'd be like a hotel room that I'd put out on my mantle and a little Gideon Old Testament by the bed and and you know, maybe a, a neon vacancy sign outside the window. Like, uh, it, just, it doesn't have the same, you know, poetry. To, and I get it, I'm with you on that. But, but just think about it for a moment. What if, what if Daryl had responded a little bit differently? What if, what if Daryl had said, you know what, there, there is no room in the inn, and literally every room, and even in the kitchen, and the little sun deck area, I, like everything is totally booked. But I'll tell you what, Mary, why don't you have my room? Why don't you have my bed? And then just imagine that every time the story gets told, millions and millions of times, every single Christmas for the last couple of thousand years, the story gets told, and there's a star, and there's shepherds, and there's angels, and there's Daryl right in the middle of the story. You see, he, he neutralized his influence, right? He had that opportunity, it was a Kairos moment, but, but he wasn't able to leverage it well. Or, or another example, a, a guy named Demas from the scripture, you find him in the footnotes of Paul's writing. For example, at the end of the book of Colossians, you find Paul's listing all the guys that, and gals that are helping him and his, his kingdom work, and Demas gets listed in the same breath as Luke. Luke, you might recognize, is the one who writes a book called Luke, and in this other book he wrote called Acts, and, and so, you know, Demas is, he's right there with the big hitters. He's right there in the, trenches. He, in the trenches, rather. he's a co-laborer with Paul, and then you fast forward towards the end of Paul's life, and the end of Paul's ministry, in a book called 2 Timothy, Paul's writing about all the people that have abandoned him in the work, that when things get tough, all the people that kind of split... On him, And this is what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4.10. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. So Demas lost his influence because he wanted earthly pleasure now. And if you're like me, you can understand the temptation. But just think, for the last 2,000 years, what the story of Demas could have been. Instead of what the story of Demas actually is. That when things got tough, Demas bailed. That, that when Demas realized this was kingdom, we're kind of for the long haul. And even though the long haul is only a short time in comparison to eternity, he got tired, he got fatigued, and he left. He left for the good life, the earthly pleasures. Instead of staying faithful to the cause of Christ. So you recognize that there are these opportunities we have to make the most of our influence, to make the most of the resources God's given us, or we we can waste them. We can squander those opportunities. And one of the ways that we waste our influence is by confusing visibility with significance. Right? We, we think visibility is the thing. We think prominence is the thing. Being up front or receiving the accolades or getting the, the applause, we think that's the thing, but we confuse that with actual significance. And we need to make sure we keep those clear because sometimes the things that the culture applauds, Jesus isn't interested in applauding. Significance is far greater. In our context, often what we do is we confuse fame with influence, Fame with influence. And they're different. Fame is just being known. It's just being recognized. Influence is actually making a difference in the trajectory of another human being. And, and, and one of those things is really valuable. One of them really not that valuable. For example, the servant girl in this story of Naaman, we don't even know her name, but forever we know how she used her influence to change a life and a heart of faith, and potentially a kingdom, because she wielded her influence well. Contrast that to many of the reality TV stars of today. We know their names, but we don't know anything they've done. Why? Because they haven't done anything. They're not famous for doing anything. They're just famous for being famous, right? And I'm not really down on being famous. I just want you to understand... uh, Fame itself is not a bad thing. Jesus was famous. Jesus is famous. I want Jesus to be more famous still. Fame is not a bad thing. In fact, there are many today who are famous and who choose to use their fame and their celebrity for issues that are good. They actually use it for influence. They use it to make a change, to wield some kind of of influence on the world, to affect good change. So fame is not the culprit here, but just understand they're different, right? Significance is a choice. And even think about how Jesus taught taught us in the parables. So often what Jesus did is he told parables about influence. And the way primarily that Jesus talked about parables of our influence is he actually talked about parables of our resource. For example, do you remember the parable that Jesus told about a man who had a bumper harvest? He just had a harvest that was way above and beyond anything that he could have predicted. And so as he's harvesting everything in his lands, he realizes, I don't have enough room to store all this harvest. He thought it was all for him. And so he, he builds bigger barns. He builds these huge warehouses. He stores all of his harvest away. He says, oh, man, I got everything taken care of. And he drops dead that night. And he goes before the Lord, and the Lord says, it wasn't for you. It, it, it was to influence. It was to make a difference in this world. And so you recognize how this eternal perspective comes up against the way we view things in our culture. So how do we do this well? If you're filling in the blanks, maximize your influence and resources by positively impacting others. We need to seek to positively impact others. That's how we maximize our influence. Our purpose in Christ is always going to lead us to impact other lives. Martin Luther King Jr. says this Life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? What are you doing for others? And I recognize there are many seasons of life, right? There's some seasons you got a bunch of little kids running around and you're trying to take care of them. And that's how you maximize your influence. You you steward well that opportunity, right? Wherever you are, there's a, a, a place for you to make an influence. That's why we should never compare our influence with another person's influence because the seasons of life are different. The opportunities that God is bringing are different. The challenge is simply, look, how can I make a positive impact on others' lives? Let me tell you a story about Granny Liz. Granny Liz is a house mom at a children's home at one of our ministry partners in South Africa. And the ministry partner is called Etimbaletu. And Etimbaletu is this beautiful children's home, and they, they take in uh, children, uh, orphans, and they, they, they care for them, and, and they, they try to nurture them and love them anywhere from six months to several years. My son, Doozy, was in, in this home for about four years and he called Granny Liz Granny because that's exactly what she was to him. She, she was this loving, kind, wise, nurturing person in his life who loved him exactly as thoughtfully and as carefully as, as biological grandmas love their grandbabies. And, and so it was just this, this beautiful thing. In fact, we brought Liz over to visit and the years after we adopted Doozy, it was the first and only time Liz had ever been out of South Africa. She's just this humble, simple, wonderful woman. And I just heard last week that she's retiring. After 16 years of serving in this ministry, she's retiring. And, and uh, as, as the, the notice went out, they had let us know that over those 16 years, the ministry of Atimbaletu had cared for... Um, I got the number here, 135 children. That's how many kids the, the ministry cared for. Granny Liz was the house mom for 94 of those children. So loving, nurturing, holding, speaking life and hope into 94 little boys and girls to whom trauma had been cruel, death had robbed them of their parents, but Granny Liz stepped in the gap and served meals and tucked into bed and prayed over and sang over 94 sweet young lives of which my son Doozy was one. Now, nobody's ever going to erect a statue to Granny Liz, but they should, because she chose to leverage her influence in a beautiful way that impacted 94 sweet young lives. It's just an opportunity that she had. It's just a role that she had been given, and so she threw herself into that role with great commitment and gusto. And that's the challenge for each and every one of us. And the challenge for us regarding our stewardship of resources as well. Stewarding resources is financial influence, and God wants us to steward our resources for kingdom influence. One of the ministries that I'm a part of is a ministry called Trinity Encounter, and it's this ranch in Montana, uh, and it's kind of a ministry run out of this lodge on a ranch that um, it's, it does men's retreats and women's retreats. In fact, I'm leading a couple of uh, guys' retreats later this spring and summer, so if there are any overlaid guys that want to come with me, I'd love to uh, participate in that with you. But it's this, it's this beautiful ministry about listening to the Lord. Discipleship is, is a part of this. And, and it was started by a guy. It, it, he was an executive in the music industry in Hollywood. And it's interesting. is this, this guy had been a man of faith for years and years and years. It was that long faithfulness to the Lord. And all along the way, he had been financially faithful. And then something happened... And, he, and, and a deal broke or something got sold. It just kind of blew wide open. And suddenly he found himself with an incredible amount of means. And so instantly he just gave it all back to the Lord. And so he's the one who, who just, he, he's, he's purchased the land, purchased the lodge. He, he runs this entire ministry bankrolling the whole thing. And, and you might hear that. And if you're a little bit jaded or cynical, you go, well, if I had a ton of cash, I would do all kinds of great things for the Lord. Ah, but here's the truth. If you're not doing things for the Lord with your resources now, when God brings more resources, you won't have the habit. If if, if you're using all of your resources for your own needs and your own wants now, then when God brings more resources, you'll do exactly the same thing then. In other words, here's the truth, and this is that kind of that overarching principle. Who you are becoming, you are practicing right now. And so here's the story of a guy who had practiced generosity to the Lord again and again and again, and when God brought means, he just turned it right back over to the Lord. I know a couple at Overlake like this, a beautiful couple at Overlake. I'm not going to tell you their names because I do not want to steal their reward, but I want to tell you they're, they're amazing hearts. And they've been faithful and generous to the Lord since day one, and part of it was building a business, and part of it was selling that business, and now God has brought them to a place where they literally steward all their time and all their resources to serve incredible kingdom purposes all around the globe. And it's beautiful to watch, but the truth is if they hadn't started with faithfulness early on, they wouldn't be at this place now. Okay, so that's the challenge for us as we we recognize. Oh, I see what this means. Resources, influence, they go together. Let me tell you, we can learn this thing young. I saw in the news feeds this week, you might have seen this story. A six-year-old girl, instead of wanting a birthday party and presents for herself, she told her parents she'd love to feed the homeless in her area. And so her family kind of shared the idea with their friends and their circle. They got some donations. They used the money for the party on on supplies, on necessities. They spent the weeks prior to the birthday building care kits, and she was so excited as they worked on these care kits, assembling them in the nights leading up to her big day. And on the day of her birthday, they served 125 delicious birthday meals and gave away 125 care packages to the homeless who had lined up around the block to celebrate her birthday with her. That's just a beautiful story of learning this opportunity right now, that we've been given some resources, we've been given some influence. Let's steward it well for the kingdom of Jesus. Okay, so here's what Jesus says. In Matthew 25, 23, Jesus says this. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Matthew 25, 23. You've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much, enter into joy. You might want to circle, what I'd love to have you circle is the 25, 23. I'd love to have you circle the 25, 23, and then here's the challenge. I want you to ask God, God, is this my 25, 23 moment? When you find yourself in a situation tomorrow, whether you're at work, you're, you're uh, you know, in your neighborhood, you're just out in, in the community, or you're in a classroom, wherever it is, and, and somebody comes up to you, you're intersecting with another life. God, is this my 25, 23 moment? Is this the moment you're calling me to be faithful with the little I have right now? With the, with the little resources I have, with the little opportunity I have, let me be faithful now, because I'd love for you to set me over much. I want to be faithful over the little you give me so that you'll set me over much because I want to enter into your joy. I want to be a part of that whole thing. And you might never know the extent of the influence you'll have. You might never know where it all goes. The smallest kindness, that little gift you give with the thoughtful note, that going out of your way, excuse me, going out of your way to speak life and encouragement into another heart, you might never see the dividends, right? It's like the butterfly effect. You, you just make one thing happen, but you never know where the influence goes. I heard an example this week uh, from the world of NASCAR. And uh, I, I know some of you are incredible NASCAR fans. I just want to confess, I, I am not that person. I prefer sports. with a point, um, but, I, but the, the analogy from NASCAR I thought was really, really interesting. Apparently, after there's been some kind of an accident on the track, they bring out these um, blower truck thingies, uh, I believe that is the official title of this tool, and these blower truck thingies come out and they blow all of the debris off the track. They blow like minuscule, like even like dust and just every tiny piece of rubber, they have to blow all of that off the track because since the cars are going around at 200 some miles an hour, even the littlest thing that the tire hits, even if it's like the width of a tiny washer on the track, it could have incredible impact. And that's how God uses our influence. That's how God uses our resources, the tiniest things that we offer the Lord to change or affect someone else's life. God uses those things for incredible impact in his kingdom economy. God gets the glory. In fact, this is the nature of the church. The nature of the church, Jesus, is you're the light of the world, right? You're to shine. You're to be blessing everywhere you go. You're the salt preserving and flavoring this entire culture. And, and so that's the, the nature of the church. He says no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Nobody chooses to limit your influence. No, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I'd love for you just to underline that last phrase because that's the, the, the so what. So what happens? So what? We let our light shine. So what? So that everyone will praise our heavenly Father. God's the one who gets the glory. We, he wants to write us into the story, but God's the one who gets the glory for it all. Okay, so that, that's the challenge from Jesus. Okay, next fill in. Recognize God is above your circumstances. Recognize that God is above your current circumstances. You're in your circumstances to make an impact, but God is above those circumstances. You are not a pinball in the giant arcade game of life. God is over and above, he is brooding, moving. He is with you and powerful to work in you and through you, no matter what your circumstances are. And again, I want to go back to this servant girl in Naaman's story. Good example here. She did not choose her circumstances, but when the moment came, she made the most of the opportunity to leverage her influence for good, positively impacting someone else, expanding the kingdom of God. Just because your circumstances might not be to your choosing, that does not mean that God is not with you, and he's ready to work in you and through you right now. Okay, next fill in. Seek greater influence by being intentional with the influence that you have. So you already have influence. You already have people who look to you, people who listen to you, people who who are interested in what you value and how you steward your life, your time, your money, etc., you have people who are in your family, you have people who are in your friend group, people who are in your workplace, your neighborhood, people who follow you on social media. You got all kinds of ways that you have people looking to you now. So the question is, are you faithful now with the, with the little you have? Are you a good steward now with what you have? And you might want to think about it like a farmer with a plot of land. That, that God wants to see, are you going to be faithful plowing this land that you have and and sowing the seed in the land that you have and, and watering and nurturing and tending these crops on the land that you currently have and then harvesting well that land that you have before he gives you more land so often we just want more land but we're not stewarding well the land that he's given us does this make sense And so we've got to make sure that we steward well, we tend well the land that we have. But I want to tell you that God would love to answer your prayer for greater influence. It's a good thing for you to pray for greater influence. I'm just going to also challenge you, make sure you're stewarding well the influence you have. Make sure you're parenting well you're doing this well as you and your spouse are influencing one another, you're doing this well in your workplace, whether you're, you know, near the top or you're near the bottom or you're right in the middle, like, that doesn't matter. It's, are you stewarding that influence well right now with whatever God has given you? But then it's biblical for you to pray for more. It's biblical for you to want greater influence. That's fine if you're stewarding well what you have. In fact, many of you are familiar with this, Prayer of Jabez. It was super popular as prayers go. <laughs> many years back, maybe in the 90s, if you're around Christianity, you're like, oh, that prayer is a popular prayer. Uh, you know, it ranks high on the billboard charts of popular prayers. Uh, and it, but the reason why it was so popular is people viewed it as a very self-interested kind of prayer. So, so I just, I don't want to take that self-interest away. Let's take a look at what Jabez actually prays. This is what Jabez called on the Lord of Israel, the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you'd keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. So again, it's it's always a good idea to pray in line with what Scripture says. This is what Scripture says. So again, maybe we begin by praying Lord, help me be faithful with what you've given me. And then we pray, and Lord, be with me so that, so that I don't cause pain. I want to I be a do-no-harm kind of a Jesus follower, right? And so we just ask Jesus, be with us and help us not to cause pain. But, but then we do ask for you to bless us, and we do ask for you to enlarge our territory. And again, think about that farmer, right? That, that farmer of enlarging our territory. We want to be faithful with the territory we have, and then enlarge my territory. Modern-day translation, that's Enlarge my influence. Allow me to speak into a greater audience. Allow me to be able to impact more and more and more hearts. Why? It's for your kingdom's sake. Not for my own sake, not for my own uh, enrichment. It's for your kingdom's sake, Lord. It's, it's for your sake. Enlarge my territory. I'll give you one example. Many of you know Pastor Jonathan Rainey. He's a friend of mine personally, and he's uh, preached here at Overlake before. He's preached at our young adult service our student ministries and and jonathan rainey is a part of the fellowship of christian athletes he's one of their regional directors and so he's in high school campuses all across this region college campuses uh, doing many things he's leading studies he's raising up young leaders he's mentoring some of these athletes and and uh he was faithful in his post and and that's been kind of his vision forever just be faithful for what god gives me he was leading the chapels over at the UW football, uh, the, the UW football season. And, and that's still part of what he does. He's one of the chaplains at UW. And so he's doing the, the uh, chapels there for the, for the football players. And another coach sees what he's doing and kind of hears his, how his leadership's impacting college lives. And he sees the impact that Jonathan's having. And, and this other coach says, well, Jonathan, would you be interested in, in increasing your influence? That had been one of the things that Jonathan had been praying for. And so now Jonathan is one of two chaplains for the Seattle Seahawks. And and Jonathan personally, this is in addition to his other stuff that he does with FCA, and, and he personally mentors about five of the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I don't know if you know, but the Seattle Seahawks organization is filled with followers of Jesus. And, and so there's this, there's this beautiful thing now. You know, Jonathan, if you look at his like, Twitter uh, follower, he, he does not have a million Twitter followers. Not even close. But he mentors five guys who have tens of millions of Twitter followers. You see, God has increased his influence. God Because he was faithful with what God had given him, God enlarged his territory for the purpose of the kingdom of God okay? And, and God delights in, in doing that. God delights in increasing our influence if we're faithful. Last fill-in here, maximize your influence and resources by drawing close to Jesus, by drawing close to Jesus. We said last week, and, and this is one of those things I'd love to just drive home. We said last week that Jesus was the greatest time manager in history, And The reason why I back up that claim, that bold statement, is because Jesus only lived to be 33 years old. His public ministry was only three years long. In three days, he was crucified, kicked open the gates of hell, destroyed the record of all your sin and my sin, rose again from the grave, and brought freedom and life abundant now and life eternal after we die. And he did all of this in an incredibly short time. The most influential person who has ever lived, he knows how to get the job done. Okay? Now... Now listen, Jesus knows how to influence. He knows how to influence, whether you're talking about speaking to the multitudes or one-on-one with a tax collector in his home. He knew how to influence so that the words that he said burned themselves into someone's mind for the rest of their life. He knows how to influence. You want to influence? You want to maximize your influence? Get close to him. He knows how to steward resources. You know, Jesus did not have a bunch of material resources at his disposal. But it set him free to use all of his father's resources in this glorious universe for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Jesus was incredibly joyful whether it was harvesting a few heads of grain for a meal or enjoying loaves and fishes multiplied Or seeing a net so filled with fish that it was sinking the boat. Jesus understood how to leverage resources. You want to make a difference in your life, maximizing your influence and your resources. Get close to Jesus, because he knows how. And he will help you. He delights in helping us as we ask him, Lord, would you help me make the most of this opportunity? Help me make the most of this encounter. Help me make the most of the influence I have at at my job or in my home or in my neighborhood. Help me to use these resources that you've you've given us. And to so many uh, places in this world, we are all incomprehensibly wealthy. And so how do we steward these resources that God has given us in a way that brings him honor and glory? Okay, Let's ask him and let's be ready to live a life that we don't waste it but we maximize the roles that God has given to each one of us. We're going to pray right now. We're going to ask Jesus to help us. But I want to ask you to stand because, go ahead and stand with me, because right now, after we pray, we're going to to just go right into praise. And as we go into praise, I really want to encourage you, the words that are on the screens, the words that are a part of this song, let's not make them just a song that we sing and hum Let's make this the prayer of our hearts today, right? Let's sing these out from a prayerful place. And and so, Jesus, what we do want to say is thank you. Thank you that you have given each one of us so many gifts and talents. You've given us opportunities. You've given us time. You've given us relationships. and, And you've invited us to be written into your story. And for that, we're thankful. Jesus, I don't know anyone who, who wants to end up like the innkeeper in Bethlehem or like Demas. I, I only know people who, who want, at the end of the day, the, the story to be written like the story of Granny Liz or Jonathan Rainey or even the story of the little six-year-old who leveraged a birthday party for your kingdom's sake. Jesus, we want to make the most of our time. We want to make the most of our influence and we want to make the most of our resources. And so humbly, Jesus, sincerely, we ask you to help us. Show us how. We want to make the most of our 25, 23 moments. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.